Thank you for taking the time to view this message online. You can connect with us more through our comments section of this video, through our Facebook page, or through our website, nhgj.org. With this message, I'm starting a series of messages that are intended to help us understand how to live life from this perspective that we are created in the image of God. And really, what exactly does that mean? Uh, this idea is introduced in the Bible at the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1. We learn about how people were created and then what their role is in Scripture. Now, there are all, all types of origin stories uh, throughout all different types of cultures. And so it's not really unique that the Bible has its own origin story that tells us how humans came to be. Additionally, not only do many cultures have origin stories, but there is often some type of obligation or something that people are supposed to do uh, to honor their God or gods, depending on the culture. Uh, there's something they're supposed to do, a directive that tells them how they are to represent their God to others and, and how to show how great their particular God is. Uh, now you can see from this slide, uh, that there are a lot of statues and temples that you can go to all throughout the world. Uh, these are physical representations of gods. Uh, in the middle, you have Zeus there. Uh, at the top is a temple in India. Uh, the temple of Artemis is below that. And then uh, temple of Athena in the upper right. And then uh, lastly, the, the temple of Ammon in Egypt is below that. And so just a quick uh, visual tour of some temples or images that point to gods that have been worshipped over time. Uh, for perspective, because, you know, I just put a few up on the screen, but, but ju this just gives you perspective of how many gods, <laughs> lowercase g, we believe, as followers of Christ. Uh, India alone has over two million temples. And so two, mil two million representations of these gods and their importance again is that they represent from their perspective they represent their god they represent uh, and even in some cases they embody the god uh, through this temple or the idol itself well let's go back to the origin story that we have in the bible because we see a significant difference in the way that the God of the Bible wants to be represented. We see that he wants to be represented not by temples or by trinkets or idols that have been fashioned from people. Instead, here's the really profound difference, is that he wants to be represented by humans whom he created. In other words, if, if I could say this in the most simplistic, direct way, it would be to say that you and I, people, are the idols or representation of God himself. We'll take a look at that in just a moment by going to, Gen going to Genesis chapter 1. Uh, but why, you might wonder, why is this important for us to explore? Why is it that we're supposed to understand how men and women are created in the image of God? Well, I, I believe it's because that one of the greatest points of confusion we're seeing in the world around us today is related to gender and sexuality. And, and one of the questions that continues to surface and continues to be at the forefront of 
people's minds and, and in the world around us is what it means to be male and female. And also, what, what does it mean? Is there such a thing as being binary or non-gender or transgender? Now, the reason it's so important to address this uh, in, in our time and in our current setting is because presently, outside of Scripture, it's being addressed from the point of feeling. And what I mean by that is how I feel about myself is how I define myself. If I feel male, then I'm male. If I feel female, then I identify myself as female. If I am can have confusion or lack clarity around that, then I might identify myself because I feel confusion. I might say, well, I'm transgender or I'm uh, binary, I'm non-gender specific. This is the, the language that we hear often in the world around us, uh, around us now. However, the way that God addresses this issue, the way that he speaks to us about this in Scripture is so different because he says that it has to do with his image and not yours or mine. How we identify ourselves, how we see ourselves in relationship to male or female from a scriptural viewpoint, from God's viewpoint as he re it's revealed in scripture, it's not an identity issue for myself. It's not an identity issue for you. What we're really speaking about is God's identity. So in other words, being male or female has more to do with your identity as an image bearer not in your identification of who you are. So it's not my image or your image, but it has more to do with how we understand who God is and whether or not we feel like we're capable of presenting his image to those around us through the, the reality of being male or female. Well, what I want us to do is take a moment to pray. And in this introductory message, uh, I'm going to explore a little bit about what it means to be made in God's image and how does being male or female relate to being in his image. Let's pray. We thank you for this time, Lord, in the word and Holy Spirit. I just pray that you would uh, help us to be present with you, to help us be open to you and allow you to speak into our lives. Father, I pray that you would strip away so much of the cultural things around us that are causing judgment to be at the forefront of this type of conversation, for accusation and polarizing views to be at the forefront of this type of conversation. And instead, I pray for the freedom that comes from your spirit as you reveal to us truly who we are. Lord, where there's confusion or where there's hard lines being drawn up. I pray that you would take the edge off of that by bringing the clarity of your word, by bringing the openness and power of your Holy Spirit to speak to us about who you are and in understanding who you are, that it would help us understand more about ourselves. We thank you, Lord, for this time, for your word, and for the life that you want to bring to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's read from Genesis chapter 1 so that we can see together how this idea has formed about being created in God's image. 
the chapter goes through the first 25 verses. And in those first 25 verses of Genesis 1, it's talking about how God created everything, <laughs> everything known to us and even things unknown to us, galaxies and the heavens and everything uh, seen and unseen. It, it just talks about how he put everything in motion and it existed before humans even existed. Now, this is, as a side note, it's not coincidence that God creates all of this, then he creates humans. It's just a, a subtle but important truth that when we say the world will go on without me, uh, it's actually true. <laughs> the world existed before we stepped onto the stage and it will continue on, that God is the initiator and everything exists through him. And so that's intended to relieve us of the burden of feeling like we're the ones having to put the weight of the world on our shoulders. It allows us that aspect that we talk about often here at New Horizons about living freely and lightly in his presence, that we don't carry burdens we don't need to carry, but instead we walk with him. It's not about self-loathing or seeing myself as insignificant. It's simply a way, a way of saying that humanity wasn't even present when it all started, so I don't have to feel the weight of sustaining life. I just need to live in the recognition of the one who sustains it all. So all of creation has been formed and now we get to the part where God is ready to create man in his image. Uh, it's Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, there are a couple things that I want to highlight out of this passage because you hear pronouns of image of man and male and female, he created them. And so I want to, want to bring some clarity around that. Uh, so out of these two verses, we see that God created humanity in his own image. And so humanity comes into that word Adam or Adam. Uh, that word actually would translate well to just say, God created humanity, the big picture, uh, that he created them. The word is Adam, which later becomes Adam. It becomes the more formal name uh, of the man. But in the beginning, when we see this word, when it talks about humanity, it says, let us make man in our image. The, the word refers to humanity. So another way of saying it, would, then God said, let us make humanity in our image after our likeness. But the same word, Adam, is used to for that word humanity and later on references Adam, which is the he of humanity. So another point of clarity, and, and I just want to highlight out of this, it says in the image of God, he created him, humanity, male and female, he created them. So you can see in this portion of scripture that just right from the beginning, there is a differentiation. There, first, there is all of humanity God created him, but then it says, and then male and female, he created them. And so we separate out from humanity two expressions of humanity, a male expression and a female expression. Now, this picture, it comes together more clearly 
when we look at the creation story in Genesis chapter 2. So we have one account in Genesis 1, which we just read, and it just says how God said, let us make man in our image, and then he goes on to give them specific work to do, subdue the earth, uh, rule over it, and essentially establish his kingdom on the earth. That's their, that's their job. But in this story in Genesis 2, which I want us to read in just, in just a moment here, we see how woman was created from humankind. And, and so the imagery on this is really powerful. God has put humankind on the earth and humankind, he's been naming everything. Uh, and there, this awareness comes that there is no part of creation, no counterpart in creation for the humankind. There's only one, Adam. So in Genesis 2.20, we see that God doesn't create another that is different, but he takes from the one, Adam, and create another out of that one. And so this is Genesis 2, 20 to 22. If I've confused you so far, it'll make more sense as we read this particular portion of scripture. Genesis 2, 20 to 22. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not one found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Now, in reading this portion of scripture, uh, I, I typically don't like to pick apart translations uh, and, and try to give word definitions. And, and part of the reason for that is because I'm not a biblical languages scholar. And so I intentionally don't go down that path very often uh, because I feel like translators have done a good job in bringing us the, the Bible translations that we have. However, now having said that disclaimer, in verse 21, it's really unfortunate that there's not a good translation, a Bible translation, when it talks about what was taken from the man in order to create woman. Almost universally, if you look at the different translations, uh, the translators use the word rib to describe what was taken out of the man to create the woman. And this idea then creates this idea that there's, uh, the translation creates this idea that the, the woman is just a little portion of the man, just the rib that was taken out. But the reality is that the better translation for this is what God did to create the woman would be to say it this way. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the human. And while the human slept, God took a half and closed up its place with flesh. And the half that the Lord God had taken from the human, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. So this really gives us a more complete picture of what happened. You have the human who at that point has the woman within the human. It's man and female, male and female in his image. He created the human. And there's no counterpart at this point for the human. And so God causes the human to go into a sleep. And it says, out of the half of the one, God fashions the she, the woman from the, the one human. And what's left of the other half is the he. And so then it says that God brought her 
to the man. So now out of the one human, you now have a she and a he, uh, the ish and the isha, uh, the, 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 the two uh, individuals who represent the image of God. So let me bring you up to where we're at so far, because so far I've read a couple scriptures and, and I'm really trying to uh, help bring before you this image and this picture of how we see God's image in humankind and more specifically, how we see God's image in female and male in their representation. So God is creating everything and we see and we know uh, all of the creation that he's put together and that he's going to make humans that are going to be in his image. Animals aren't in his image. Uh, the, the trees aren't in his image. Um, the, the grass of the field, not in his image. On and on, fish, not in his image. He has all of this creation, the stars, the, the mountains, the seas, all of this creation. And at no point does God say, I'm in the image of this water or I'm in the image uh, of this wood. He, he holds back. He doesn't describe himself in those terms at all until he gets to the sixth day and he points to, he creates mankind, humankind, and he says this, this is in my image. Male and female are in my image. And then out of that point, when there's no counterpart for the human, God puts the human to sleep and he takes a half from the human and then he creates the, the she, the female, and then he brings her to the male. And now you have a woman and a man. Together, they represent the image of God. So this is why when we read from Genesis 1, the first portion that we read, we have this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him Male and female, he created them. See, it's a more complete picture of who God is. And I'm taking so much time on this because it's one of the critical ideas that we need to take hold of if we're going to think about being in God's image. Who am I as a man made in God's image? If you're a female, who are you? What does it mean to be a she, a female, and be in the image of God? God, as we read in the scriptures, God uses male pronouns and descriptions of himself. So it's right that we use those same ways to describe God. But, but please hear this. It's also important that we understand that God wants us to see him in both male and female expressions. In other words, when God wanted to create his image, he created humankind, both male and female. And I, I think sometimes this can get lost. We can elevate one, particularly a male image above a female image because of the way that pronouns are used. But that's not the scriptural viewpoint that God presents to us about himself. He says male and female, he created them and the, together they represent the image of God. So what I'm saying is that to get the most complete picture of who God is, you need to look at both male and female. So we could say a female is in the image of God, but that's not the full picture of who God is. A male is in the image of God, but that's not a full picture of who God is. To see a more complete picture, we need to see male and female, and that's how God expresses himself, and a full, more complete image of who he is. Now, 
again, I know that this is just the introductory uh, introduction to this idea. And many of, you, many of you watching this may already be in the place where you're saying, yeah, these, I, I kind of get this, I understand this. But it really is critical that we understand this point because we come back to the issue about what we see in culture. I, I want us to revisit this idea just briefly, and then in just a moment, we're going to receive communion together. We see in culture, and, and this is not new, uh, it's a reintroduction to expressions and ideas that have been around throughout all of history. Uh, and it subsides in one culture and then it shows up in another part of the world, it reappears in another. But, but here's what we need to understand about gender in light of who God is. Gender confusion is not an expression of God's condition it is an expression of the human condition where we do not understand who we are and why we've been created. When I say it's an expression of the human condition, what I'm saying is that God in his perfection has put forward for us who he is and how he wants to be represented to the world around us. He wants us to see himself in humankind, male and female. He says, this is who I am. But when we talk about confusion around, well, am I male or am I female? Am I trans? Is, am I binary? These types of things don't exist in the context of God's perfect image and how he presents himself. Instead, this is a reflection of the human condition. And the human condition is one of life apart from God. The human condition separated from God where there's brokenness, there is confusion, there's pain, there's a, a lack of belonging, a wandering as though I, I don't belong anywhere. And, and so absolutely, yes, people can and people do by showing a lack of love, they add on to that, they pile on to that. But the lack of understanding of identity is not from God, but it's revealed out of brokenness and then it expresses itself in confusion. When we think about our identity and who we are, it, it really doesn't come down to how I feel about myself. It comes back to more about how God identifies himself in me. And when I feel confusion or where I experience brokenness, where I, where, where I don't feel like I fit in to this male or female context, it's not because God has introduced confusion into your life. It's because there's brokenness that exists in this world. There's, there's ways in which our physicality and our being, our, our mental health, our, our uh, sense of purpose and who we are, our sense of identity has lost its way and separated from ways that God identifies himself and wants us to understand who he is in our lives. So to find our way to wholeness, we really need to understand more fully what it means to be male. In, in other words, I, I don't want to diminish what maleness and, and what it means to be male in the image of God. I need to clarify it. I need to understand what it, what, when I say I'm in the image of God and I'm a male, what that means. I, I don't need to change or, uh, or rewrite what it means to be female. It means I need to look biblically. I need to look at scripture. I need to look at who God is. And, and in that reflection, I need to understand more of what it means 
uh, for a, a woman to be female. I need to understand what that identity is and not to change it to fit how I feel about myself or what the culture says about what it means to be a male or female. I need to understand what it means to be made in God's image. And when I understand what it means to be in his image, then I more fully understand what it, what it means when we say that a man is in God's image and a woman is made in God's image. And together, they create a more complete picture of the fullness of God's image. Well, we're going to explore that a little bit more in, in the coming messages. We're going to talk about what it means to be a man in the image of God, what it means to be a woman in the image of God, uh, what does it mean in the culture around us in terms of sexuality, male and female, and how do we more fully express that? How do we shed the cultural views and even some views that have come into the church that what a manly man looks like or a true female looks like. Some of it is very much cultural, has been piled on, and it has added to the brokenness of the culture, unfortunately, uh, where the church should be able to speak healing, should be able to speak clearly, and should be able to reinforce people's identity in the image of God. Unfortunately, at times, the church has been responsible for creating confusion around this topic. And I think when we get some more clarity around it, we can actually be messengers of hope and healing in this area, as opposed to add to the pain and destruction that exists so much in the culture around this. Well, let's put a comma in this conversation, and I am looking forward to bringing it up in the next message and continuing forward. But for today, I believe a good starting point isn't around the confusion. It's not around division. It's not around uh, trying to redefine things. I think we always find our best point and our point of union around the table of the Lord. And so we're going to receive communion. And so if you'd like to go ahead and pause this message and make sure you have the elements with you, and then we'll receive communion together. We hold the bread, we hold the cup, and they are our identification with Christ. We remember Jesus. You know that Jesus is referred to as the perfect Adam, the perfect human, <laughs> the one who, uh, it says, fully represented God. He was the perfect image uh, of the invisible Godhead. Uh, he came in the flesh, and he wasn't just an image of mankind as we were so accustomed to. He came as the word become flesh, the perfect image of God. And so it's so appropriate that today we hold the bread and, and the cup and we identify with Christ and we look to him who is the visible image of God himself and that we give thanks to him for going to the cross for us so that we could know more fully who we are because of who he was and what he did. Lord, we thank you for the bread. Just as you took the bread with the disciples, you broke it and you said, this is my body given for you. Take it and eat it. So Lord, we receive of this bread and we remember what you did on earth, that you were 
God incarnate. You were the, the word become flesh. You are the perfect image of that which is invisible, the Father and the Spirit. Lord, you came and we got to see what it looks like when God comes to us. And so we thank you for giving us an image, Lord, of what humanity looks like when it's truly a perfect reflection of God. Thank you that you demonstrated love in perfection. You demonstrated humility in perfection. That you put on display what it means to be an image bearer. And you did it without sin, without brokenness or fallenness. And so, Lord, I pray that as we hold this bread, we recognize that in the ways that we, we fall short of bearing your image in a, in a more complete way. But, Lord, we don't give up hope. We hold the bread knowing that you're, you are our hope and that you have given us a way forward to see you, to experience you, and to live more in the life that you put on display for us. And so we thank you for the bread and we remember you, the image of God, the perfect image of God for us. We thank you, Jesus, and we receive the bread. This cup of a new covenant reminds us, Lord, that um, even when we get it wrong, even when we don't perfectly bear your image, that we don't put on display who you are in ways that honor you, when we get it confused and we believe that our identity is more about us than it is about you, we put ourselves first and you second. Lord, I thank you that this cup reminds us that there's forgiveness that there is a point of redemption for us to always come back to and receive your grace. Lord, I thank you that when we put down others who are made in your image, Lord, when we elevate uh, male above female or female above male, I thank you that there's redemption to help us to get it right, to recognize that, that every person that we come across is created in your image, is an image bearer of you. And so, Lord, may we more fully uh, Lord, embrace this idea that we want to bear your image and not just our own. We want to honor the image of your life, uh, God, in others and, and not just look for ourselves and, and lift up the image of mankind in one another. So thank, thank you for this cup. Uh, it's a new covenant. It's a new way forward to express the life that we have in you and to be a, an image bearer of your life on this earth. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. As you go forward, I pray that you would experience the blessing of God's favor on your life. I pray that you would begin to gain clarity and it would bring you great encouragement that you are an image bearer of God Almighty, that as a man or a woman, that you reflect who he is and that your life in him uh, puts on display who he is. May you go forward this week as an image bearer showing others what it means to live as a reflection of God in this human flesh. God bless you as you do it. You can find more resources for this service at nhgj.org. Email us your prayer requests to prayer at nh4gj.org. If you are a new follower of Jesus, we have a free resource for you called Following Jesus. To receive a copy, send a request to info at nh4gj.org. If you would like to partner with our ministry through giving, 
You can do that online at nhgj.org giving or by mail to 641 Horizon Drive, Grand Junction, Colorado, 81506. Thank you for being with us and may the Lord bless you.